0: Welcome back to your Tech Report. Thank you guys so much for being along for the ride. I am Marco Flalo in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles, and we're we're very excited because this past week we had one of the first in person events. Well, we weren't actually there, but Nam um, took place in Nashville, and a lot of really cool announcements, which we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks. But I wanted to welcome our next guest. Her name is Jessica Powell, and she is the CEO and the co-founder of a company called Audio Shake. Jessica, welcome to your Tech Report. Thank you so much for being here. For those of you guys listening, we're also going to post a video about this on YouTube because there's a, a visual component here that we want to talk about as well for for people who are referencing it. So thank you, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, I hope you had a great week. Obviously, it was uh, interesting to be uh, back in person, I, I'm assuming. How did it feel? It was hot. Okay. Yep. Uh,
1: first time in Nashville for a music event and first time at, at any kind of work event in like 18 months. I feel like it's kind of surreal. Yeah, like I, can, I, I can, almost I had a moment of like, how do I get on a plane again? How does that work?
0: I'm still trying to figure that one out. I haven't quite figured that out yet. I think that uh, <laughs> I tell people when my kids are vaccinated, then I think I'll be a little bit more relieved that I don't have to worry about it. Um, let's talk audio shake. Before we even get into that, let's talk about your background a bit because you have a background in tech and AI. So how does that go from, you know, working at companies like Google to founding your own company? Where Where did that shift happen and why did it happen?
1: Well, let's see, I actually started my career off in music. I was in CESAC in Paris, which is um the international authors' rights organization. So they represent um music, art like basically the arts across the board, but their member societies would be folks like uh ASCAP, BMI, CESAC, and so forth. Um, so I started off actually in music and specifically in copyright um in Paris, and um, which was a total, it was an amazing experience in the sense that I, it was a very thorough education in copyright. Um, and I think, you know, it, it both made me think that the music industry had missed um, a few things on the copyright side, that it wasn't always in favor of artists. It wasn't always in favor of innovation. Um, but also it gave me a huge amount of respect, particularly for um, the fundamental connection between artists and their work, which is, I think, much stronger from a legal perspective in Europe than in the U.S., the moral right. Um, And that was something that really stuck with me as I went then into technology and went in a totally different direction and ended up going to work at Google. I was at Google for a very, very long time, uh, worked at a startup. Um, But as over the years, both being kind of part of the startup scene and the tech scene generally, the thing that really struck me was that in the Valley, we were creating all these really, really cool tech products that were for the most part, always sort of consumer first, right? Like how do we get these really, really cool things in the hands of consumers, a video platform or a music platform. And that artists kind of are an afterthought. They're actually the people powering all the content and powering these amazing experiences, but no one really thought of them in the first instance. It would be like, after the fact, they'd come back and be like, look how we built this amazing platform that allows you to market your content. Right. Um, and so after spending years in tech and, and, and finally my last stint, I was at Google, then I did a startup, then I went back to Google. Um, and when I was finally, when I knew I was done kind of working at a big company, um, you know, I thought I was going to spend like a year soul searching or doing (laughs) some sort of Thoreauian exploration and instead actually very quickly ended up starting what would eventually become audio shake. And, my co-founder and I um w- well, I'm actually the whole team, we're all musicians of varying levels of skill. Um, but we're all musicians, we're all um very passionate about helping artists make more money for their work. And so we knew we wanted to do something that put um rights holders and artists, like thought of them first rather yeah. than thinking of them second. Um, that and- seems to
0: be an important battle that one of the one that we're facing a lot, especially in North America. Um, artists, you know, we hear a lot of stories about artists making, you know, chump change compared to the producers and the distributors and all that goes with it. And and I think we've seen a big shift over the past couple of years as well, where uh, artists now have the platforms that, of course, you helped in, in design and other people helped in design to market their own music themselves, to be discovered on platforms like YouTube, to be discovered on social media, which kind of skips that middleman at that point. So we're seeing artists these days realize that, wait a second, I can actually keep more, more of of the pie. And we can, you know, talk about stories like, you know, Metallica buying back their library, or you talk about Taylor Swift and, and the, you know, tr- struggles she's endured over the past couple of years about her library, but it's, it's a big issue, you know, giving artists the ability to maintain the biggest piece of the pie that they can, because they created this product.
1: And so when we, um, you know, I don't want to pretend that we are, solving all of the industry's problems or, you know, overnight making artists millions and millions of dollars. But what we're very focused on is how we can help artists make more money from their songs. And in some cases that's going to be working with artists directly, like independent artists. And in other cases it is um, uh, we're working with the various parties that manage those rights, the publishers and the like the masters holders and everything, usually the labels. Um, and that will still make it back to the artists, obviously, in varying percentages.
0: So where did this idea come from? And really, at the end of the day, explain what, what the platform what is. is. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like, Jessica, enough of the philosophy. Like, what is this? No, thing? no, I like the philosophy. Oh, I like a little bit of background. But... <laughs> so um, Shake. we use AI to break songs. almost You could think of them as being deconstructed into their component parts, which are called stems. Um, so that if you think of a song as the thing you hear on the radio or on Spotify or Sirius, there's the song, like the final mix, but there's also all the parts of that. So there's the vocals, maybe the drums, the guitars, right? All the different instruments. And then there's also the instrumental, which isn't technically called a stem, but we call it a stem because when we're the way we think about breaking a song apart, yeah. we can create instrumentals on the fly too. And what's where, where this all started was we had no, we were not music industry people we were technology people but we were also my co-founder and i uh both lived in japan and got very into karaoke when we were living in japan and we get so annoyed when we go do karaoke that both of us were really into punk rock (laughs) and all i wanted all i wanted was to karaoke to like the buzzcocks and gang of four and i couldn't do it anywhere (laughs) and so i was perfectly also happy to do you know brown eyed girl and like the standards yeah of course Not a snob. I'm like, those are great songs too. I would never call you a karaoke Um, snob. (laughs) But, um, but then I was doing karaoke into these really horrible MIDI versions, right? Like it's horrible, horrible. Um, and I always kind of wondered God, like, would art, like the person who wrote this song, the songwriter or the performer, would they, what would they think of this image of me right now, half drunk in a bar and this terrible, like almost organ sound, you know, version of their song, um, clearly done in a basement level, with some know. guy
0: and a keyboard, right?
1: <laughs> right. Right. And so, um, it, 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 very much started from this kind of just question of like, like, dude, could, what if you could karaoke to any song in the world? Right. And you didn't have to have these horrible cover versions. And we were just saying, well, could you use AI to break a song apart? And that was really the kernel of it. it really just started off with a question. We had no idea for a business. We had no idea of anything, but as we started out, Building it and started talking to people that were actually working musicians or people that were in the music business. They started saying, Wait, what? Like, you karaoke, yes, absolutely, that's cool. But have you ever heard of sync licensing? Have you ever heard of putting instrumentals in movies or commercials? Have you thought about the remix possibilities? Of course, we knew about splice and sampling and that kind of thing, and we had thought about that. But I don't think we'd entirely considered. The world spatial audio or immersive audio all of this stuff is actually built on the back of stems and it was really as we were building the technology that we started to realize that there was a a much bigger opportunity here and to do something um, that i would ideally help unlock a lot of new revenue for musicians in the industry
0: yeah i mean thinking back to some of the artists that aren't even with us anymore whose music all we have are the, the stereo mixes, you know, and, and right. we, you know, in, until technology like this was available, we couldn't do anything with it. We didn't have masters. We didn't have, you know, multi-track versions of songs available. People didn't really think about those back then. You know, th- this is really a game changer when it comes to, you know, technology uh, or, or using music like that in a whole new, different way. What Was there a, a definitive light bulb moment that went off that said, wait a second, this is now this is something that we can commercialize, or this is something that we can turn into a product. I know that obviously there's a lot of R and D and, but was there a point in time when someone looked at it and said, wow, you could do this and your brand light bulb went off going, okay, wait a second. We have something here that really can do something.
1: We were talking to a friend, someone we had worked with in tech, but then who had gone on to be an exec, like a CTO at a music label. And we were talking general AI stuff and catching up and he said, Oh, what are you doing? And we described it. And we, we were just laughing. Oh yeah. It's kind of fun. You could imagine doing karaoke. Like we were talking about it more as just a, an exploratory thing. And he was like, wait a second. Like the label I worked at on the publishing side, they also had a publishing arm 30 to 50% of the time when we had instrumental requests, we couldn't fulfill them. And, and I was like, Oh, you mean like, Nina Simone or like, I immediately went to mono track, yeah. right. Is what I was thinking of like really old songs. And, and he was like, mono track. I mean, yeah, sure. But I'm not even thinking about that. And then I said, Oh, you mean like, I don't know, John boat, John, like maybe analog, the era of analog multi-tracks. So kind of post Beatles through to like the nineties or something. I was like, that like that. Yeah. I guess that's a lot of music too. <clears throat> and was like, He's like, yes, that, but he's like, not, it's not just that. He's like, there was a whole era of music in the transition to digital where the stems, if they were ever created, got lost. Um, in the case where you had analog multi-tracks, a lot of those tapes are damaged yeah. or lost in some warehouse somewhere. Uh, there was that famous universal fire yeah. right, uh, about 10 years ago um, where, and I think the figures were sort of disputed, but it, I remember there was, I think in the New York Times, they said something like it was like half a billion dollars yeah. worth of master's tapes. Um, but even contemporary tracks. So theoretically, and certainly if there's any artists listening to this, um, I hope they uh, keep their stems and and are um, taking the, their future and even current opportunities for stems seriously. Um, but even today, it's not uncommon for stems to not be handed over, even though they're part of most label contracts now, um, quite often just the final mix gets handed over or, and the stems stay on the pro tools session of the producer who mixed it. And in the moment that they're needed, the producers out of town or whatever it might, and then, or they get passed over and depending on the receiving party, the label, whomever it might be, how, how are those stems organized? How are they described labeled? How is the metadata tied to all that? So there's a, just a lot of, there's far more gaps, even in contemporary Um, STEM storage and STEM creation and so forth then you would expect.
0: Yeah. There's no, I mean, you think about it. There's no real standard, right? There's no real, you know, if you look at the, the, the motion picture industry and the movie industry, there's, there are standards, there are requirements there. Are, you have to deliver this, this needs to be, you know, backing with it. And on the music side of things, it's really, I guess, up to contracts and, and artists and everybody's style. Every, every producer, every, you know, mastering engineer has a different style and different way of archiving things. And if there's no standard for it, if there's no repository, how can it work? Um, you're going to show us a little demo here. So, for you guys listening on the radio, I apologize, but we're going to we're going to head, link you over to the YouTube channel, which is yourtechreport.com/slash uh, sorry YouTube.com/slash yourtechreport. You're going to give us a little demo of how this works, and and I know it takes some time, so we'll we'll kind of you know have a conversation during the process. But um, I'll let you share your screen, and we can dive into this, and we can we can chat a little while you're actually doing it, and explain what might be going on in the background to make things happen here.
1: So this is the platform that we have for primarily labels and music publishers, um, audio engineers, folks who need to create a large volume of stems. Uh, you basically, it's super easy to use. You upload the song that you want to run. Um, and let's put it in here. We'll just do, um, why don't we do instrumental and vocals? Cause that's very quick. Perfect. But basically the person um, uploads the song, ideally in high res, we can do MP3s, but um, it's always better to start with high resolution.
0: Yeah, the more and more information uh, so they have in the file I guess the more information you can That's that's also true, right? Like it.
1: you can if we, if it's well, unless it's wave because then you can't copy over the metadata. Um but but yes, it'd be um, it'd be amazing if everyone was using flac and aiff.
0: <laughs> everyone that gives so be. much
1: hate to flac and I don't understand it. But um uh so we've right here we've just created an instrumental and an a cappella track. Um but AudioShake also does drums, bass, and guitar. Um, I think we're the only ones in the world to do guitar. Um, that was technically quite difficult because guitar sounds like so many other instruments. Yeah. Um And we're working on um, a few more stems right now as well. Now, what's uh, happening? What's what, what, sorry? Other.
0: What's what's happening in the background here? What you know? What kind of information did you have to supply to your AI to be able to accurately separate all that information in the music? Because I have to assume there's a lot of you know sample data that needs to be in there for it to be able to decipher what's what.
1: So, what we do is um, we train on thousands and thousands of stems, not AI generated stems, but real stems yeah. um, where we know what they are um, vocals, drum, bass stems, and so forth. That then teaches the uh, model how to recognize those instruments in songs it's never seen before. So, our model never trained on this particular song that I uploaded, but it's still going to recognize vocals, it's still going to rec- recognize um, uh, the drums. Um, It's it's not 100% perfect. It can sometimes be thrown for a loop. Um, For example, we have not trained yet on a lot of auto tune data. We started with the assumption that more contemporary music would have stems, and so we were more interested in targeting older music. So we haven't trained on auto tune data. So if you send us a like super super t pain, not like the normal level of auto tune that appears in most songs today, but really Super like processed. a level above that, yeah. sometimes the AI will be like, this is not human um, and it will not <laughs> break it up as a vocal stem. Um, and uh, so that that can happen. Um, occasionally with older recordings, um, you can see that uh, sometimes the separation is actually perfect. Um, we had a, a client the other day that was using this for a like an iconic kind of 1930s song um, and the separation was excellent but you can hear now that everything's been separated and this mono track recording, you can hear what almost sounds like a microphone being moved or muffled or something. Yeah. You can hear imperfections in that recording that you probably would want to touch up manually. Um, you know, afterwards anyway. It's amazing uh, how, it's how much music hides. Reveal, it's, ama- like-
0: it's amazing how much the music itself and the production itself hides some of the imperfections. Yeah, I
1: absolutely. J- I joke about and- this.
0: We were watching an award show or it was, it was the 4th of July ceremonies and there was Nashville performances and stuff going on. Actually, Nashville was great. It was some of the other performances like black IPs peas in Miami. And it didn't sound that great on TV. And my wife was going, how do they do this? I'm like on site, it probably sounds really good. But for TV, all they're doing is they're taking this you now stereo mix from a board somewhere, and no one's really paying attention to the way that's going to sound on television. Right. So unfortunately, yeah, yeah. we're hearing a bit more than we should, and it doesn't sound that great. Whereas if you right. were on site, you'd have this nice polished mix that's, that's done for on site. So I can imagine exactly what you said. Separating these elements sometimes doesn't necessarily give you what you, uh, what you expected.
1: Well, now imagine you could use, say, AI to remove bleed from live performances, right? Yeah. And that would make for a much better experience. And if you could do it almost in real time. Um, in this case, our song um, took, I think I wasn't paying attention, maybe 30 seconds? Today. Not
0: even not even 30 seconds, yeah.
1: Um, so let me tee it up for a part where we're not just in instrumentals. So we'll do like around here. Um, I'll just play, uh, particularly because no one on the radio or anyone else wants to have to listen to audio recorded over zoom (laughs) than on the, on the radio. So we'll do very short, but I'll just play a few seconds of the original song. And then for those on the radio, I'm going to then shift to isolating the acapella. Okay. uh, And then I'll, um, go back to the original, and then we'll do a couple seconds of instrumental. And for those, Very
0: obviously, quick. obviously taking a listen to this now, what we're seeing on the screen now is you see the separated tracks. So you see the you play pause button. It's a really nice web interface. Um, uh, you see one layer of just vocals. It named, names it vocals on MP3, and you can see visually if you're used to you know handling audio that that's clearly just its vocals. And then you see another track that's the music. So let's take a listen.
1: All right. Uh-oh. should be wearing a white dress with eyes that can us so that's just the vocal <laughs> that nice, so
0: that's really impressive
1: <laughs> And there you go
0: that's really impressive can we play a bit more of the instrumental so this is the instrumental alone so just oh, the sure. instrumental so you can hear when you're listening to this no vocals whatsoever sure Wow, Very cool. That's insane. That's honestly that, you know, the fact that we can now using AI and using, you know, computer learning separate that kind of information that it's never seen before is, is quite impressive. How, how much smarter does it get over time? Like as you process more and more, have you seen uh, a specific, specific rate of improvement over time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it would be hard to quantify, or the the most honest answer would be, we have not tried to quantify or look, um, spend a ton of time necessarily. We we know the differences, uh, we we measure them in decibels. We know the differences between say, the model we have right now and the model we had say six months ago. But, uh, in terms of kind of what, from a perception level, which itself is interesting because people perceive it's very interesting when, for example, audio engineers work with our tool, they would occasionally prefer, um, a slightly less perfect separation. Sometimes that might even have a couple of artifacts Okay. versus if, because it then they can work with that versus if you're dealing with someone perhaps on the sync licensing side, they just want the crispest separation. Um, because they're not going to be doing any other work. They're going to be handing over that instrumental to the music supervisor at a movie studio or whatever it might be. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, the, the, it's, it's, it's quite, um, striking just how, um, how much you say compared to other technologies, like how fast AI can, um, make improvements on things that on problems that we've been, you know, tackling for decades,
0: so where do you go from this point forward? So where's your, you know, who, who's your target market? Is it the, is it people who just want to, you know, do sync licensing, who want to use the music for various other purposes, is it the artists themselves or is it a combination of all of it?
1: So if if you have the rights to a piece of music or you have permission to work with the music, you could be a third party, for example, yeah. um, then, then we're here to help. So um, the platform I showed you, that is primarily used by... Um, uh, record labels, distributors, music publishers, but we have indie artists that come to us through the site every day. Um, and we're hoping to build something out for them as well, a, a different kind of experience because they don't need to be stemming hundreds of tracks and so forth. Um, but uh, we, we get a lot of indie artists, for example, that come to us wanting to create instrumentals that they can then use, to, for example, um, recording that they can hand over to like a production licensing service, that kind of thing, where, so they can make a little bit extra money off of their tracks.
0: Now, do you foresee this as, or or is it gonna be a platform people can kind of self-service, or is there always gonna be a point where they're gonna be hands-on or there's gonna be some kind of interaction with the artist to make sure they have the rights, et cetera, et cetera?
1: Well, if you're a label or you're a publisher on the platform, um, it's entirely self-service. So okay. everything I just showed you, that they, they can do themselves. Because we haven't built out an interface for artists yet, um, they would just come to us and we would run it for them. Um, but when we have the artist interface, they'll be able to do it themselves as well. And yes, there'll be checks to make sure that it's not just, I don't know, the 16 year old kid in their bedroom wanting to all of a sudden, like
0: do a Minecraft video with some kind of uh, I don't need Prince
1: haunting me in my dreams. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we'll have some checks on that. So
0: before, before I let you go, talk to me about your team. How big is the team? How big is the, the company now?
1: Uh, there's five of us, yep. and we're split between. Uh, we're we're tired. We were remote before. We'll continue to remain remote. Uh, there's two of us in San Francisco, uh, one in Texas, another in New York, and then another in France. So we're spread pretty far out. Um, I can
0: imagine.
1: Yeah, and we're, it's, um, it's right now. It's all engineering and researchers.
0: That's amazing. Well, honestly, thank you so much for taking the time to kind of show us the technology. It just, I I love having conversations like this because it really kind of sparks the imagination, the things that we can do that we didn't even realize that we could do, which is why it's fun to discover companies and and products like AudioShake. If people do want to learn more, where should they go? Uh,
1: Audioshake.ai. And one thing I'll just say really quickly, if I I may, that's kind of of cool. If you're thinking about the future, there's been a lot of conversation around AI-generated music. Um, and what happens and what's interesting about that. I mean, first of all, I don't think AI generated music is getting rid of human music anytime (laughs) soon. It's still a, it's still pretty bad. Um, but also there's, um, I think, I think the humans are good for a while. Um, but what's interesting about AI generated music is that's all happening in the computer. It's not built off of stems. And so if you then want to deconstruct the AI song, right, you actually need technology like this. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to me, this idea of. On the one hand, AI is automating everything, and yet it's automated almost too much because then you can't break it apart without using another AI to then break it apart.
0: That's insane. Uh, Jessica Powell, uh, again, from Audioshake, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We hope to have you on again and talk more about how this kind of grows over the future, but uh, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: There you have it, guys. Audioshake.ai is where you can find out more about that. And, of course, everything we talked about on this week's show, you can head on over to our social media. It is all at your tech report, especially the video demonstration of that you can find at... YouTube.com slash your tech report on behalf of Mitchell Whitfield. I am Marco Flalo. Thank you guys so much for being here each and every week. Don't forget to like and subscribe the podcast version of this show, wherever podcasts are found, including Pandora, of course, and Apple music. Uh, Thank you for being here. We'll chat with you again next week here on your tech report. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. I'm Matt Cundall, host of the Sound Off podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.